Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hello, everyone. It's Felicia, and I'm going to start us off with... I was going to start us off with a high five, but uh, I'm going to switch to a facepalm, and that is that I was working on audio from our last episode, and my husband, Parker, was with me, and he says, you guys really got to <laughs> like warm up your voices before you sound so sleepy. <laughs> I was just laughing because guess what? We are sleepy. We record so early in the morning. <laughs> and so we were just giggling saying, this is the this is the voice you get at 5.30 a.m. We were doing some funny- voice warm-ups, but I don't know we were how, good, how much good it did. <laughs> and the funny one about that one that he was talking about, guys, that was the second episode we'd recorded in one morning, which isn't, I just want to say, pat on the back because we usually don't get two episodes we almost (laughs) only do one but I want to be like hey Parker that was our second episode so we'd actually been talking for a long time (laughs) that's just our voice (laughs) and we talk for like two hours before we even record so I mean yeah that shows how long the sleepy voice lasts have you guys seen kind of raspy voices sometimes I'm like now thinking about my voice maybe it is just a little bit it's just a little bit (laughs) raspy-ish have you guys seen Juno, the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have not. Okay, it's so funny, but there's a part where the boy says to another boy, your girlfriend's always glaring at me. And he's like, no, that's just her face. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just our voice, okay? It's a little bit scratchy. It just is. I love it. Um. Okay, well, mine is a high five. And mine is, um, I, me and Felicia, Terilyn, Terilyn was invited, but she kind of has a busy schedule. So she wasn't able to go to this, but we did a cooking class where you make a bunch of freezer meals for yourself. And, um, I just have to say, I'm loving it because they taste amazing. They save me time and I use about one a week and it's just been, it's so nice because it's one thing that I don't have to think about. I know it's going to be good. And then it usually, the leftovers usually last me at least one to two other meals, whether it's a lunch or a couple lunches or another dinner. And so anyway, I have loved it. And so wherever you live, I'm sure that these exist wherever you live, but it's been the best thing ever. So high five to that. And I, it's been worth, it's like worth every penny, worth the time. And I've loved it. And it was fun because we got to do it. My mom, it was me, my mom, Felicia. And again, Terilyn, we would have loved you to be there, but she just had some stuff going on. But, and it was just fun because you get to talk the whole time while you're making stuff. You also feel like you're kind of on a cooking show because they just bring around everything and it's already prepared and you just get to toss it in the bag and mix it or chop up a couple things and throw it in. So anyway, there's an added plus of, it was actually fun to do it together because then we just got a chat and then we came away with 20 meals that were awesome. So claps do that (sighs) I wish I that actually is making me feel like I did miss out because I have it's citrus pear is the and I think they're not just in Utah I think there are other places as well we can link their website Mm -hmm. but yeah there are other companies who do it as well but I've done it before and yeah I loved it I'm really sad that I missed it but well my yeah next time let me know but my high five goes kind of along the same lines it's about easy food but this is less of even less effort than (laughs) citrus pear and that is doordash guys so these are not our sponsors i sound like i'm doing a commercial here but they're not i don't know how i've gone so long i've never done doordash until last month ever in my life and i did it for my husband's birthday because we had a soccer game on his birthday so we'd already celebrated a bunch but then on his actual birthday it was my son's soccer game and we wanted to still come home and celebrate him but I wanted to have him to have something like really fun and yummy, like we were going out to dinner. So, guys, I door dashed. We made it so that we literally arrived at our house as sushi was just coming to our house. It was 
like I felt like I was living in another world. Like I was like, what magical <laughs> thing just happened that literally we walked here and there's just fresh sushi just delivered to us. It was amazing. And the reason why I tried it is because um, somebody gave me a gift uh, for DoorDash. Like they had sent me a while ago, like as a present, like here's DoorDash. And it was so easy. Like I just received it as a text. And so I used it as a, this gift. And then guys, guess what? Twice in the next two weeks, two experiences where somebody who I loved or one of my friends got sick and I wanted to bring them a meal. But one of the times, for example, I was about to go out of town. So it was like, I don't like, I'm not going to take the time to make a homemade meal and bring it to you. But my friend got COVID and her whole family was sick. And I, and I just sent her, I like literally just sent her a $50 gift card to DoorDash and was like, I can't bring you dinner, but order something for yourself. You know what I mean? And so it's another, so not only was it fabulous for me, so easy, but it's like a fun way. I loved receiving it as a gift and I loved giving it as a gift. So, wow. It like really took a load off of me. So anyway, through a dash. It's like, I mean, I just feel like I'm living in like an alternative universe of what is this? I push a few buttons and it just shows up at my house. I mean, it's amazing. It is pretty weird. If you yeah. think about it. It's awesome. Yeah. I totally I mean, agree. I echo what you're saying. I feel like I've had when I've had babies, I've had a couple people give me DoorDash gift cards and I, it's so nice. Cause at some point also the homemade meals do run out. And so that it's nice to be able to have a couple of those on hand that you can just get whatever you want. And it does, it comes straight to your door. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a little behind trying it. I know, I know it's been around for a while, but it was my first experience was quite magical. Okay, guys, today we are talking about whew, a topic we have been wanting to talk about for so long. We, uh, and a book that we've been wanting to read forever, and it's about body image stuff. So, who it's a big, big, big topic, but we follow on Instagram, they're called Beauty Redefined. They're twins who have their PhDs and have researched exhaustively the concept of body image and women. And their book, so I've been, I mean, I've been following them forever and I really like their stuff, but we've just recently read their book, which is called More Than a Body. And it's by Lexi and Lindsay Kite are the authors. And it's kind of fun because they're about my age. And so I feel like a lot of their perspectives, it's just fun because it's, I don't know, I, I really resonate with a lot of what they say. But what we're about to talk about here, we know is a sensitive subject and we know is it really affects all of us. I mean, no matter where you are or how you feel, I feel like we live in a culture that has a lot of emphasis on bodies. And the thing I love about the title of their book is more than a body. The whole point is that we are more than a body. So before we delve into it, I want to ask you a question. They asked this in their book and it was really telling for me before we kind of go into what it means to have a healthy relationship with our body. And the, the question is, I want everybody to answer. So I'm actually going to give you guys a few seconds to actually, like, I want you to think if you're driving in the car, if you're doing whatever you're doing, I actually want you to think what your answer is. For me, when I read the book, I actually paused it and I wrote down my answer. And I'm glad I did because it really made, kind of opened my eyes. So the question is, how do you feel about your body? Just take a minute. And just what comes to your mind? How do you feel about your body? Okay. And you can pause it if you need more time. I want the actual sentences that came to your mind. She's, and I wish I could remember the exact percentages, but they've done this with, I mean, tons and tons of research participants. Most people, when you ask them, how they feel about their body go directly to how it looks. So women in particular, how does it look? So you, they start talking about specific parts. I like this part. I don't like this part. I feel really insecure about this and I feel confident about this. For me, when I answered this question and I didn't know where they were going with it, I answered first. I actually did start with how it feels. It was like, I love, I love doing this with my body. I love doing this with my body. I love how this feels. And then I did, I went right after that though, I went right into the looks. I went into 
these are the things I like about my body, how it looks, and these are the things that I'm insecure about. So I had kind of both, but the whole eye-opening thing about this question is if most people are answering the question, how do you feel about your body, and they're answering how it looks, how it looks has nothing to do with how the way we experience living in our body, the actual feel. So therefore, we are placing the experience of living in our own body through the view of somebody else. So it's literally taking our experience and disembodying our experience to just be how it looks to somebody else or to ourselves, because we can also self-objectify. But this is the term self-objectification. When you are not embodied, you're not living in your body, you're disembodied and you are actually experiencing your body through a lens other than how it actually just feels to you to live in it. Which, if you think about this, guys, this is a mind-blowing concept because we all live in our bodies. Like, this is actually the tool that we live in. Every single one of us listening to this, we have a body that we're experiencing the world in. We can feel through our bodies. We can taste through our bodies. Our bodies are our, like, tether to the present moment. And yet, if we are experiencing our lives disembodied, just thinking about how I look, am I sucking in? Am I posing the right way? What's my outfit? Like if that's all we're thinking about, we are missing out on an entire life of living. And if you go back to when you're a child, two-year-olds, like you don't see, or let's let's even go back to one, because I think people start getting, like depending on your experience, a lot of people start like the disembodied. If you picture a one-year-old, so Caitlin has a one-year-old right now, I can guarantee he has never like looked at himself in the mirror and like sucked in his stomach, right? (laughs) He is just exploring the world. He's sticking stuff in his mouth. He's like, even, even with his own body, if you've ever watched a baby, it's actually an amazing experience when they first discover their own hands Like they're looking at their hands. They're like, Whoa, I can close my fingers. How do they taste? You know? And at some point as we grow up, something happens and we start less experiencing our bodies and more just focusing on how they look. And um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, there's a really powerful, uh, is it a commercial? I don't know. I saw it years ago, but it like kind of makes me want to cry. And it shows girls when they're little and they say, run like a girl. And the girl runs really fast. Like they're just running in place. And they're like really running fast. And boys do the same thing, little boys. And then something happens around the age between 8 and 12 when you start saying run like a girl. Boys and girls start running really funny and when you say that term. Like they're like, start like flailing their arms around and stuff. And something for me, and maybe again, I don't want to like say a specific age, but for me that's about the same time that weird stuff starts happening with body image for boys and girls, 8 to 12. And again, that can go down younger obviously and it can maybe not affect you until you're a little older. But there's something that happens around that age. And maybe it's that you're having more crushes on the opposite sex or something. So you're really kind of paying attention to more how people look at you. Combined with a lot of just voices from around us. But the idea here is today we're trying to go. We're trying to return. Can we return to ourselves? Can we start actually feeling like what it is to live inside of our bodies and experience life through our bodies? not through the view of somebody else. Yeah, I um I really love I love actually that you gave the example of the 1-year-old because it's it is so perfect or just a little kid because they and they also they don't care they really don't care about how they look cuz I was thinking about this the other day I was watching my baby and like when he gets excited his arms flap up and down and like he's like his whole body is moving like, he is so excited. And I thought about it. I'm like, you don't see adults doing that. There's probably a few reasons. But one of them is because, like, we don't want to look funny. But for a baby, it's so cute. But I was thinking, like, they truly are fully embodied. Like, their whole body shows when they are thrilled and when they're upset. Like, they, their whole body is experiencing it. And I love that. I think um, Lindsay and Lexi Kite are the ones that wrote More Than a Body, which is the book that we're kind of going to be referring to here a lot. But they mentioned, they're actually, I think when I read this, they were talking about, um, like intimacy within our relationships, like sexual intimacy and how 
like within that context, like that is something to be experienced from within your body, not like not to be thinking about it, like what this would look like or anything like that, like just experiencing it. And I was thinking like, I think when we pull that into every aspect of our lives, yeah, like we're able, I love, I do love the word embodied because I feel like when we really are just living within our body rather than thinking about what it looks like, yeah, like we're able to be more present in life. So I love this idea of like our body is such an amazing instrument to help us live in the present and be present. So I really love that. Yeah. When you asked the question, how do you feel about your body? And when I read this, I, it was hard for me when reading this book, not to feel mad for the experiences that were stolen from me as like a, you know, like kid or, or young adult or teenager and mad and sad for the girls, you know, as we've advanced, I think in our understanding of these concepts, at the same time, the opportunity for objectification has increased through media and specifically, obviously, social media. And it just makes me sad that, um, hopeful, because I think that the conversations like this um, will impact our kids. And that's the whole point of this podcast is to, you know, impact the future generations. Like how can we have conversations that will increase their like value of their life? But it just made me sad because, um, if, if we are self self objectifying, then we're placing a higher value on other people's view of literally only just how we look, which is like 0.001% of everything that we are. It's basically like nothing to do with who we are. And so not only are we kind of existing outside of our body in a world of what do we look like, but also like our value and our kids, our girls. And, you know, we talked about earlier how this, this is most, you know, like a lot of it is for girls and women, but this not to say this doesn't happen to boys and men and Lexi and um, Lindsay talk about how actually um, gay males have like a really like intense situation where they are on both sides of this coin anyways. But so for a lot of people, it's hurting a lot of people and it's also hurting if you have sons like, um, what it's teaching them and how they value the women in their life and, you know, their future, like wives is just like the conversation affects everyone. And it's just, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about living present in our lives with ourselves and with our kids. And so when this, when I heard this question and just when we did the exercise again, I almost felt like, a feeling inside myself of searching like okay if my if my worth is not my looks i'm searching for the experience of my life inside my body and it reminded me of the book untamed by glennon doyle um if you haven't read it really i think it goes hand in hand with this book in a lot of ways but it's, you know, she talks a lot in that book about experiencing like eating or like Kaylin said, like intimacy or even with our kids, like holding them or if we're, you know, in nature and like the smells and walking around and feeling the earth beneath our feet, all of those things can be taken away, away from us if in those moments we're focusing on like, you know, how I looked how I look or what I ate today or, oh shoot, I really need to make like my hair appointment because my split ends and blah, blah. And like, I just think it can steal so much of life from us if we aren't careful. And that's what comes up for me when we talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite line of the entire book that they say over and over is 
positive positive body image isn't believing your body looks good. It's knowing that your body is good, regardless of how it looks. And that goes for boys and for girls. It does not serve boys to think that, and we can dive into this deeper, but it doesn't serve boys to think that girls are only there to look at. That doesn't serve them at all. They're missing out on tons of opportunity for connection if they think that way. Also, thinking that about themselves, right? That doesn't serve them either. Same thing with girls. It isn't something that um, they really point out in this book is that there is this whole body positivity, you know, like hashtag Bopo movement out there, which which a lot of, you know, they're like, a lot of these people are well-meaning, right? Like they're thinking, we're trying to make people feel good about their body, no matter the size, no matter the shape. Like we're just trying to help people feel good about their bodies. But it's interesting because then they say, but a lot of people are then also just selling something, you know, Mm -hmm. they're selling clothes, they're selling a bikini, they're saying, here, feel good at any size and wear this bikini and buy it. You know what I mean? Or feel good at any size, but also use this moisturizing lotion because any size is beautiful. So their whole point is body positive. There's two, there's two factors here. One, a lot of times people are trying to sell something. So if you're just doing another thing to turn women's bodies into objects to be sold and consumed, you're not really helping. It's maybe as a step in the right direction from not only valuing one size. However, it's just like a baby step because we're feel we're still just focusing on the outside. So to me, the next step is it's knowing that your body is good and doesn't need to be wearing a specific thing to be appreciated. That bo- body, I'm going to say it again, positive body image is not believing your body looks good. It's knowing that your body is good regardless of how it looks. So We here today are not saying that, oh my goodness, I think you should just love your body and think you're beautiful no matter what. Even though I'm not saying that's a bad thing to, I think it's actually great to think you're beautiful no matter what. But the point is that we are just more, we're more than our our beauty. Our body is good because it's ours. That's why it's good. It's good because it is our conduit to experience this incredible life. That's why it's good not because of how it looks. So anytime for me, it's like the, the, the next step of if you've ever done self-worth, you know, exercises for a lot of people, it's a big step to say, um, you know, people love me. You know, I know my people love me because I'm awesome. Like that's a nice statement, right? It's better than thinking everybody hates me. But the next step is the way more impactful statement is I love me even when I'm not awesome, right? Like my worth doesn't change regardless of whether people like me or not, right? Like it's a whole nother level of empowerment when we can just actually say, guys, we are so much more than our bodies here and our bodies are good regardless of how they look. And we don't have to sell something. We don't have to have our bodies or have our bodies be something to be consumed for them to be worthwhile. You know what I mean? So I really like it. Just the whole concept. Because sometimes it's easy to be like, oh yeah, this this is where we need to be headed. This whole just, let's just show all women's bodies and show that all women's bodies can be consumed. That's not, that's not the step, right? Like that's not the full, that's not arriving. Just saying, opening up the range of women's bodies that we can sell stuff with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And again, there is, I'm not saying that there's nothing to representation because of course, representation of all colors, sizes, all that is, is actually very important for sure. But I just like it that we're, that what they're suggesting is that there's just something deeper and let's, we're smart. We're intelligent people. We can go deeper. Let's go deeper and find that kind of freedom that comes from realizing that there's so much more to us. And when we see that, guess what? The kids in our lives, men, boys, it's going to be easier for them to see that too. Because if we can see that in ourselves, it's going to make a lot more sense for them to see people as also more than bodies. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And no, well, Caitlin, I'll just, I just want to say, like, just emphasize what you're saying is that um, finding like the, the trouble is <laughs> that we're finding 
our value in our looks and the our society, the world at large, is valuing women for, you know, their ability, their their want to fix their looks or all of our focus on our on our looks is our value. And so, you know, we're being sold through a system that's telling us like you need to be thin, young looking, thin in the right places, bigger in the places that should be bigger, young and smooth and hairless and your hair should be voluptuous and your eyelashes should be long. And if you think about all of these things, they require us to buy something, a procedure or a product that's going to change us because we never are going to look good enough. And the problem with that is that like our value is on our appearance and not on all our other qualities. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's exhausting yeah. to try to force ourselves to fit into an ideal that rarely exists in nature. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of hilarious if you think about it. So the beauty ideal for women is, yes, lots of hair on your head and your eyelashes. Eyebrows <laughs> change by the year, right? Sometimes it's a lot of hair. Sometimes it's like nothing. So, you know, eyebrows come and go. But then your body, no fat anywhere, but then a lot on your boobs and a really full butt. Like yes. when in nature, I mean, I don't want to get percentages here, but like, that's not like a, that's not something that happens in nature often. And I know there are exceptions to that rare unicorn exceptions, but I'm saying for most people that requires a lot, a lot of either implants or glute working out, which again, I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with working out your glute. I'm just saying like, we're forcing ourselves into these really kind of strange oh uh, no hair anywhere else though like no hair anywhere else right yeah. so all hair in certain places not hair in other places fat in some places but not fat in other places even though as your body gains and loses fat it's generally like your whole body's gaining and losing fat right so it's like you have to look this way and then it's also funny if you look throughout history if you look at beauty ideals like you just look at, at art of women's bodies it's kind of hilarious because it's like it's just fads like we literally just have fads of what sometimes really plump women were like the most ideal. So it's just, it's sad, but that we are literally trying all of us, regardless of what we're born with, regardless of what our bone structure is, we're all trying to fit just to one, one little mold. And I don't know if this is the time for this, but I'm kind of getting worked up. So I'm going to just say it right now. <laughs> this I can't dwell on for too long because it starts to make me get a little bit angry, but I think it's worth talking about because it opens up a conversation for our children. And that is in media. Oh my gosh. So we're not even talking social media here because obviously social media is a whole thing. I'm talking about media. I'm talking about specifically children's movies. We allow as a, it's normal in media to have boys be able to be any shape, like choose a cartoon character the boys, okay, I'm going to use Zootopia. The boys can be any any animal, any shape. They can be like squares. And actually on Beauty Redefined, they actually have a thing where they like take common, I mean, even Monsters, Inc. You take the shape of the men, the boys, and you put them into a little, like just trace the shape. And there's squares and there's circles and there's big long rectangles. There's trees. There's like fluffy things like they can be any shape and still be a main character but to be a girl main character the vast majority of girls there's only one shape and what is the shape it's hourglass shape abnormally small waist most of them have quite big busts even though they're a rabbit (laughs) it's a rabbit like a rabbit the the main character is a male fox who's just shaped like a normal fox the main character is a girl who's a rabbit who like has these huge curves like big butt big boobs like a tiny waist and she's a bunny rabbit like why and again even monsters monsters inc these people are monsters they're not even humans and the boy monsters can be circles and still the girl monsters the at least the ones who are shown in a positive light are one shape and it's hourglass 
And so, I mean, Disney characters, like they've tried to like, they've tried to stretch it a little. And even if you look at the stretching, still take Merida or Moana and you put them up. Those are like, they're big, you know, like, whoa, we're going out on a limb here. We're making the waist a tiny bit bigger and the boobs a little bit smaller. And still, when you like put them up there and you trace it, what is it? Hourglass. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, as a society, I love this conversation and it's worth talking about because girls can also be valuable and offer a lot to storylines and plots. Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my gosh, I could keep going. Okay, I could keep going here. But I mean, like I was watching it. I had just read something. Oh, it was I was just reading the part of this book where they talk about in movies, if you have more than one woman character and they talk to each other without talking about men, like that's a huge upswing in like the gender conversation but for me the reason why this is important because I sound like again when I start talking about I start getting really kind of like worked up and just being angry isn't helpful or is it or is it I don't know (laughs) but what I'm saying is the conversation is worth having because first of all that's how stuff I love it because I feel like there are there's like lots of things that are changing in in general and even if you look at Disney movies I mean just look at just look at the narrative around romantic relationships and way over sexualizing of I mean I look at like the just the princess movies I grew up with like I'm thinking of Aladdin or Little Mermaid but I'm actually specifically thinking of Aladdin um the messages we get about sex is different than the messages you get now you know now in like in Frozen where they're like you can't marry a man you just met like they're at least having there's a lot there's good dialogue happening. So I'm, all I'm saying is I think the dialogue is worth having still about it. And I like bringing up with my kids guys. And I don't bring it up to them. Like this is something to be bitter about or angry about. I bring it up to them. Like, isn't this really interesting? Guess what? Everybody, all shapes, like all, you can be a hero no matter what. So in the stories, so you can actually even practice, like let's, let's write a story and just practice like just the concept I think is important and actually as I say this just you know I'm not just talking to my little kids and being like can you believe the Zootopia only chose one shape so as I'm saying that I've actually never even brought that up with my kids because that doesn't seem like a very helpful comment I'm actually just saying I think it's an important comment to just realize in general that this is like a thing that our kids when they're little tiny 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 they're still being shown that girls can only be one shape to be important or to be likable. There are girls who have lots of shapes in movies, but they're either like a villain or like a weird person, you know, like they're yeah. not going to be the hero. Friend. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some other character. So I'm just saying, I love that as adults, I guess we're having this conversation because to be clear, I actually don't talk about bodies much with my kids. So I just want to make sure I'm really clear. I'm actually not bringing up that with my kids right now. Because with my kids, I actually think it's really important that we don't talk about bodies. And that's something that Lexi and Lindsay talk about a lot. That if we are commenting, if our kids hear us constantly commenting on people's bodies, guess what? They're going to start self-objectifying. They're going to start anyways because they live in, a, they live with other, like there's other people they are going to hear stuff. But I sure don't want it to be for me. I don't want them to hear me commenting on people's bodies. And because that's because then I'm modeling to them. That's what I see. Like I am just looking at somebody's body, whether it's good or not good. And they've done studies on kids, how they perceive kids who are fat and like kids get the message that like they think something's wrong with somebody just because they're chubby. And that's not right at all. So to me, if I'm commenting on my own fatness of co- in a really negative way, of course my kids are and internalize that there's something wrong with that you know what I mean but I don't want that so I guess here's just we have a we have a whole thing of list of things that you can try this or not but something that I think is really powerful um and I've and again I've never brought this up in front of my kids because I don't want it to be a thing for them but when we watch the Olympics or or even I'll even say this when we're going to watch something that's like a show I'll say to the adults who are in the room when my kids aren't there hey guys can we just not comment on people's bodies? Like, have you ever tried to watch the Olympics and just not? Because Olympic bodies, they're so muscly and it's so impressive what the sports do. 
But have you ever considered just not commenting on how incredible those legs are? Like, just try it out. And it's interesting when you try to start not talking about people's bodies, how much it comes up, how much you end up talking about around the dinner table. Can you believe how much weight that person lost? Oh my gosh, you look so great when you see somebody. Have you just, it's mind blowing. I call it just like a fast. It's a fast from not talking about people's bodies. It's amazing how much more stuff comes up to talk about. So for my kids, I'm not going to bring up if they have questions and we'll address that, then there's really healthy ways to answer it. But if I'm not commenting on their bodies, I'm not commenting on other people's bodies in movies or in real life. I'm not constantly talking to people when I see them about how they look. It's amazing when you first try it, how you're like, oh, I don't even know what to say because I'm so used to saying you look so beautiful. Where'd you get that outfit? And you just talk for five minutes about the way somebody looks or, oh my gosh, you lost five pounds. Can you believe it? It actually makes you dig deep and talk about something deeper, which is the whole exercise, right? That we are trying to look past people's appearances and look at something deeper because that I think we think, well, but I'm saying something positive, right? Like I'm saying how beautiful she is, but I, and I've known, we know, we all know a lot of people who have struggled with eating disorders and those kind of comments just reinforce what they're going for, right? It's reinforcing their unhealthy experience of their own bodies. I also know people who have gotten really sick and lost a lot of weight. And then also they're getting all these comments like, oh my gosh, you lost so much weight. What happened? They're like, well, I can't keep any food down for three months. So that's probably, but I don't want to be like, even positive comments constantly about somebody's body, I guess the point is, can also just do lots of damage. So it's a good mm-hmm. exercise to try to like, can we look deeper? Can we say with our words, can we model what it's like to look deeper at somebody? And can our kids hear that? And just, if you want, try it out. It's amazing how much body stuff comes up around your kids. They hear you all the time say stuff about people's bodies. And it's kind yeah. of yeah. And I do want to add, I think I did this exercise too, and I actually want to do it again. Cause I think it does affect, cause I don't even, I didn't feel like I talked about people's body. Like I actually didn't feel like I did that that much until you make the goal. It's like, okay, I'm like, you know, me and Cam were like, okay. And this was probably a few years ago. But we're like, we're just not going to say anything. I think our thing was like, we don't want to say anything bad about anybody. Even if it was just like a comment, random thing, but it is crazy how easy it is, even when you don't think that you are, but um, so I do, I think it's definitely a, uh, an interesting exercise to try for anybody listening who wants to try it to just not say, and, and that is one of the things that Lexi and Lindsay say is to just not say anything, whether it's good or bad about people's bodies and your own and just see what happens. Cause it is, it's kind of cool. Um, and I think it does help us go deeper and it reinforces to ourselves and to our kids that, um, that, that quote that you said, Terlyn, that, it's believing that your body, it's more that your body is good regardless of how it looks, which I really like. I wanted to circle back a little bit to one of the things you said um, about, because we talked about the, there's the billion dollar industry that is set up to basically make us think that we need to put on this cream or do this or have this procedure done or whatever it may be to make us look quote unquote normal or okay. and um, and we, we see that from a really young age that it's like, okay, you need this and you need this kind of face wash to do this and to take off any blemishes here. And, um, yeah, there is an industry set up to make tons of money off of our purchases to help us again, look quote unquote normal. And so I think what's interesting, cause when I read this and it's, it's interesting cause in the book, they do go through from literally head to toe, like everything about our bodies that that this beauty industry has basically like come up with these standards to help to make us fit the mold of whether it's, yeah, a big bust or no wrinkles here or whatever it may be. And what I think is interesting because, um, at least for me, then it starts to beg the question of like, okay, well, cause my question was, is like, we'll do, yeah. Like I don't, I don't really want to just buy into that and like reinforce that as women or anything else that we have to do all of these things and buy into these things to look beautiful or whatever it may be. So then I think the question is, cause at least what I was thinking was like, so do I need to stop wearing makeup or like, you know, like how does, 
do I stop wearing makeup so that I am not buying into this? But I think um, something interesting that they address is that it's like, it doesn't mean that you necessarily need to like stop caring for yourself or even like using maybe some products that, that would help you look differently. But I think it is worth what they kind of talk about is it's worth to be aware that number one, we actually don't need these things to look normal. And with our kids, cause I don't have any daughters right now, but I do think, I wonder, like, I do want to show my kids that like, I don't need, I don't need makeup to like live, like to be normal. And so they kind of talk about that, that it's like, you can wear makeup and feel really good wearing it or whatever, fill in the blank. I'm saying makeup, but it could be anything. Um, so like using that to also maybe you go to the store without makeup or swimming or workout or whatever it may be. And so that you can show that like, this is a reality and that you don't need those things to like reinforce your feeling of it. And I think, um, one of the things that they talk about too, is that like you can help your kids make choices for their own body that aren't based on shame or feelings of needing to hide or fix something in order to feel okay. And so, um, they actually give the example too, that it it can be easier to not even start doing some of those things. It's easier to not even start doing some of those things than it is to stop. So like with raising our kids, I don't know, like considering that, like considering that, um, like modeling for them that we don't need those things and helping them feel that that's okay. So anyway, I thought that was kind of something to be aware that it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to not buy any of those things, but it's really good to be aware that there is a whole industry bent on having us purchase as many things as possible to meet a certain standard and being aware of that and realizing that we don't have to, to meet any standard. Like we, we are more than a body. So I, I really like that. And yeah. And that, are, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say too, before we leave the, the, the media thing too, um, cause it can just start to make you frustrated when you're, you know, watching entertainment. I think the thing, cause you know, it, it can be easy to just be like, they're just princesses. They're just like, they look cute like that or whatever, but it's that perception that is dangerous because when then a little girl or a young adult or someone watches those films and realizes that they don't look like those characters who are the ideal that we keep representing because none of us look like those things, that's when they start to shrink themselves and lose their power because that is where they're getting their value. That's the the message that they're given is that your value comes from looking like this person that is, and it's reinforced, reinforced over and over again. And I think that what feels like sad and dangerous to me when it comes to media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, we've talked exhaustively about technology and children and while their brains are developing. And I mean, the research is super clear that social media for, for teenagers is not good. It's really bad for their mental health, but on that same line of just movies, I mean, social media, most people use filters, right? And so that's one of those, I mean, our brains just start subconsciously, like when we see a face and it's not like half blurred out in real life, it's like, I mean, like if you see a video, like when I, you know, I'll just do a video and I, there's no filter on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this does not look like any other video. Like why? And it's because, oh, it's because that's just my actual face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we just get conditioned to Every video we see has to be, so even if it's not a cartoon that's idealized, it's a face that's idealized, you know? And so it's hard for our subconscious to even figure out, so what's real? And it's just going back to, we're trying to stuff ourselves into these specific ideals with our bodies, but also we're trying to stick ourselves into a specific ideal with our faces and our age. Like, we don't think that anything over the age of 21 is worth being. So... I think this just goes back to realizing that there's somebody who is benefiting from it and it's the people who we're paying to help us think that we still look like we're 21 and that, you know, we've never had children and whatever it is, you know? So I think it's just something to be aware of is something that the kite sisters always ask is who is benefiting from this message? So who's, what's being sold here? 
And I really like, I mean, they have a whole list of questions. When you're thinking about who to follow on social media, it'll say like, who, you know, like what, what are they selling here? And is it something that I want to be consuming, right? Um, do I want to be the consumer of what is it that they're selling? Here's some other questions to ask yourself when you're consuming media. How do I feel about myself when I see this? Who is paying for this? Does it spark body anxiety, shame, or comparison? Does this profit from my insecurities by promising to fix flaws? That's a really funny one. They talk about a lot. Accept your body how it is, but don't worry. Here's this cream for those things you don't like. You know, that's a, mm-hmm. it's an appealing message because it's selling you body positivity while at the same time promising to fix things you don't like. Uh, how are girls portrayed? Is only one body type portrayed? And for me, I actually went through my social media list of people because there's just just a different feeling. So I follow a lot of athletes. I mean, I'm an acrobat, so I follow a lot of acrobats. And for me, when I watch somebody using their body as an instrument, that's another phrase that I just love. Your body is not an instrument. Sorry, it is an instrument, not an ornament. Our body is an instrument to be used, not an ornament to be looked at, right? We're experiencing life with our bodies. So for example, some of the acrobats that I follow, they're just using their bodies as these incredible instruments. And when I watch them, I feel inspired in the sport that I love, right? In the art that I, the lights my fire. And I have the feeling is a feeling of like inspiration. Then there are other people that I follow that it is literally like a, I am selling this body ideal. And when I watch their posts, I, the feeling inside of me is different. It's not inspiration. It's not like a, oh, I can't wait to try that handstand drill. It's a feeling of like, oh, my waist isn't that small. Ooh, I don't stand like that. Is that how I should be standing in my workout clothes? Hmm. Oh, you know, I need to buy that cream that she just held up in front of the camera before she put on her face. You know, it's like a different feeling. So I actually went through and I unfollowed. I'd already done a lot a while ago, but there's been a few who are my actual really good friends and I actually, I unfollowed them because it's just a different, what I'm saying is it's a feeling inside of me. And the feeling inside of me when I watch them is I feel like I should be buying something when I watch this person to fix myself. Whereas when I just watch the athletes who are doing the art I love, I don't feel like I need to, it's not like I'm not buying anything. It's just like this beautiful, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And this is making me really excited about trying that or like a aerial drop where I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I want to learn that drop. So it's all about the performance itself. And that's something that the Kai sisters talk about a lot is can we look at our bodies from the actual, like as athletes, can we look at them as what they're doing, not how they're looking and how that can look is changing exercise. So are we exercising just to look a certain way or are we exercising because we enjoy doing the thing? Are we measuring our progress off of, you know, say we're running a marathon. Are we measuring our progress off of the change in our waist size? Or are we measuring our process on how long we can run and our time, right? One focuses on our body as this incredible instrument. I used to only be able to run one mile and now I can run eight. That's amazing. When I ran a marathon a few years ago, that was like the most mind-blowing thing about my body. It was like, how in the world that just through practice, you can go from not being able to do something to being able to do it. It's amazing. And you can't help but being in awe of your body. But if you're only measuring off of how you look in your jeans, you may or may not be in awe of your body when you start training for something, right? So the action is the same, but one is a way of trying to beat our body to look a certain way. And the other one is just experiencing and being in awe of our incredible bodies that can learn new things and muscles that can get stronger. So that's something they talk about. Can we reanalyze what fitness goals look like? The fitness goals are not waist size. Fitness goals are not looking a certain way in a bikini. Fitness goals are about actual performance of our bodies. So maybe our fitness goal is we want to run because we want to become stronger and we want to help our hearts be healthy. So our measurement is our resting heart rate. That's our measure of success. Or our measure is our ability to run a certain distance or whatever the goal is, pull-ups. My goal is to do pull-ups, not because I want to change 
the size of my bicep. That's not my measure of, it's not my bicep, my back. That's not the measure of my success. It's I'm pumped about learning how to do pull-ups because I want to be able to do pull-ups, right? So that's another just fun, try this or not. Look at what you're doing in your life for fitness and ask yourself, can I shift my goals here to make my body more of an instrument and less of an ornament? The success is not based on looks. Success is based on what we're actually doing with them. And on that same note, they talk about before and after pictures, how like before and after pictures, you can skew them, first of all, like crazy. And second of all, that's just another way of reinforcing that that success. Success is just changing the way you look, right? Which paradoxically, oftentimes the way we look does change as we do different things, but that's not the actual goal. And if it is our goal, then we lose all intrinsic motivation and it's just extrinsic. And as we know, extrinsic motivation doesn't last almost, it doesn't last very long. Whereas intrinsic comes with joy and it can last a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I think along these lines with our kids, cause I think something really cool about this whole conversation is just how can we help our kids navigate this kind of world? And I think, um, one thing that it's like, I think, as you said, Terlyn, it's so important to be focusing on how does this feel inside my body rather than how does my body look when I'm doing it. Um, however, like because of, I think just because of who we are as humans and because of the world that we live in, I think it's both. Um, I think it is very easy and kind of, it's very easy for kids. And again, I, I think I'm going to say girls, but I'm sure that boys do it too. But like, so it's like, what if your kid asks you, am I pretty? And I think, um, it's cool. Cause Lindsay and Lexi Kai actually have a really great article and we'll, we'll attach it in the, in the show notes and in the email. But, um, it has actually a few different frequently asked questions of like, how do you help raise your kids with positive body image? And so with that kind of a question of like, well, am I pretty? Because it's like, yeah, we're talking about, we really want to be focusing on your body. But if they do ask those kinds of things, cause they are like, they are probably going to ask those questions, whether it's out loud or they're going to be asking it to themselves. And I think the cool thing is that you can still, like, you can say, of course, like, of course you think that they're, she's adorable or beautiful or whatever it may be. But more importantly, it's again, focusing on, but you're more than pretty or cute or adorable. Like you can reinforce who she is as a smart, curious, energetic, motivated, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it may be, like seeing them and using your comments and and praise or whatever feedback to be focusing on more like seeing her purpose and how it extends far beyond how they say far beyond how she decorates the earth. So I think it's okay to acknowledge that rather than just totally dismissing that. And we've, I know that we've kind of echoed that sentiment in past episodes, but I think it is really good. You can acknowledge, especially if they ask something like that, it's not like we're saying totally ignore it altogether, but I think it is always really good to re-emphasize and redirect to their purpose beyond simply how they're decorating the earth, which I really like. And I think that's important. We'll link the episode that we have that talks about that because I think if you just leave a big gaping hole, like anytime your kids ask anything about bodies, you're just like, I will not say anything. I mean, that's not, then they're going to be like, that's going to create some kind of weird dynamic too, right? And so for me, something that I feel like my parents were so good at this when I was little, I felt like it was just an ex- like a given that they thought I was beautiful, right? Like, but it's not because they talked about it all the time. It was because it, whatever, like it came up in conversation or whatever. Like I, I'm sure if I asked my parents when I was a teenager if they thought I was beautiful, they would easily just say, yeah, of course, of course you're beautiful. And then I also knew that they saw everything else about me that was what made me worth worthwhile right so there's nothing wrong there's no shame in feeling beautiful right in fact I think there's nothing wrong with realizing the beauty there's power right there and so this isn't about like shaming looking good at all it's just accepting that there's so much more to us so can you accept I would love it if I could like wave my magic wand and have every girl and boy in the world feel a certain way, it would be the yes, you feel attractive and beautiful or handsome. And at the same time, that's, so that's just a given, like you don't even have to worry about it. Of course, of course you are. And then go on and 
live the most interesting part of you, develop the most interesting part of you, which is your mind and your heart and your spirit and all those kinds of things and using your body as this incredible instrument that it is. So yeah, it's just a, like, I would love it for my kids just to feel like, yeah, it's a given that you're beautiful and handsome. Of course it's a given. I'm not going to overemphasize it and I'm not going to like bring it up all the time. But if you ask me, I, there's nothing wrong with being saying like, yeah, you're beautiful. But in all the words that I say to them, if I think that that is not the most important thing, I hope I'm using, you know, less than 5% of my words about that. Right. Because I believe that 95% of them, like I want them to get that message by the amount of words that I'm saying. Right. So we have, um, I had friends growing up who, one of my friends actually had, she had an eating disorder. And when I was around her family, they only said positive things about her body, but they said them all the time. Like that's all they talked about was she's so beautiful. I don't want to say her name, but I almost said it. She's so gorgeous. Look at her hair. Look at her gorgeous face. Look at that skin. And it's true. She was really beautiful, but she had an eating disorder all through high school because she was trying to live up to this thing. So I think her parents thought like, we're helping, right? We're helping the situation. But I was so much rather my kids. Yes, of course. Of course you're beautiful. And then with my words show 90 plus percent of my words are going to be about other things. Right. So I think that's an important thing to just kind of recognize and also along the same line. So now we're going to kind of go through just some common questions that kids, when they bring up with you that Lexi and Lindsay say are healthy ways to answer it. So that's a good way. Am I pretty? Yes, of course you're pretty. And guess what else you are? You're smart and you're funny and I love this and I love your heart and whatever it is. Like that's a beautiful way to answer it, right? And this, another common thing that comes up. So it's never come up for me before, but now that I have a daughter in junior high, dress code comes up a lot, right? She has questions about the dress code. And I mean, my daughter has no, like, she's never like considered going like different than the dress code, but a lot of her friends, like she'll come home and be like, oh, somebody got dress coded today. So we've had to have some conversations about dress codes. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, we live in a, well, we live in a religious community and I feel like sometimes religious communities get a bad rap for over, for the, just the modesty concept. It's a really mm, sensitive subject. And so we're just going to touch on this because this could be a whole nother episode, but I'm just going to repeat what Lindsay and Lexi Kai said about dress codes. The dress codes when they differ from boys to girls, over-sexualize girls. We think by overemphasizing their need to cover up that we're doing them a favor, but actually what we're doing is we're just simply over-sexualizing those parts. So they give an example of a dance. Boys, here's your requirements. You know, shirt, pants, shoes. <laughs> and that's it. Girls, here's your dress code. This, this, this. Don't show this part you can show this part, but only with this kind of fabric must be this length. You know, it's like, it's like a, you know, 17 point list of a dress code for girls. And you think, well, this is a good thing, right? But what it ends up doing in our psychology is it's teaching boys that girls are responsible for their thoughts. And it's teaching girls that there are these parts of them that are really, really sexual. And so we have to have them cover up. So to be clear, Oh, well, let me just, so what they say is dress codes should be simple and unisex, right? So if it's no midriffs, it's for boys and for girls, right? Like, it's just a very simple, like, there's nothing about a boy's stomach that's different than a, you know what I mean? Like, we're just going to give like a general dress code and have it be simple, which I think is nice if you're writing dress codes. Now for me, I'm a parent, so I'm not writing a dress code, right? I'm just sending my kid to school who has a dress code. And so this is how I present it to my daughter. I say, and again, she's never even like for her, she's like, you know, she loves big giant t-shirts and baggy pants. So whatever. So it's not like an actual thing for me right now, but how I say it is throughout your whole life, you're going to have dress codes, right? Like workplaces have dress codes. So for me, following a dress code is not a big deal. Like I don't even like make it into like a thing, right? But I also don't delve then into, because if a boy saw you, he might not be able to take his math test. You know what I mean? I just leave the other, like leave the boys out of it. Leave the other 
people around you's view, just leave them out of it and say about you, you know, here's a dress code, school dress code. We're, we're choosing to go to school. So just like anywhere else where there's dress code, we just follow it, right? It's like, it's not a big deal, but it's about inside of you still. So even dress codes, I think you can make it into an internal thing. And the way we dress, the thing I like about how Lindsay and Lexi present it is when we ask ourselves, what is the most comfortable thing for me to wear? What is going to help me do the activity that I'm going to do the best? It's an easy answer. Then we're not going to be over-sexualizing stuff, right? Because that's also not the answer. Like, I don't think the answer is like, well, we're no clothes all the time. You know, that's just so far on the other side of the spectrum. But if we change the narrative from how are people going to perceive me to how am I going to experience this activity? And I mean, we saw some stuff with the last Olympics where, you know, like volleyball players didn't want to wear baby shorts. Like they wanted to wear like more comfortable shorts that covered more of them. And people were like freaking out about it. So I think just answering, asking ourselves that question when we're dressing, like what is going to be comfortable and appropriate for this activity is a much better question to ask ourselves when we're going into something. And that kind of leads us into, I just was just thinking of swimming, right? So when we're swimming, sometimes like if I'm doing something, like sometimes I actually do want shorts when I'm swimming because whatever the activity is, it's going to hurt my butt, right? But when I'm looking at it from that point of view, it's different because it's about my own experience of the activity. And Lexi and Lindsay talk a lot about how often do we limit our activities because of how we look about our, at our bodies. And they use swimming as that example. They loved swimming growing up. They were, they swam all growing up. And at one point they both stopped swimming, even though it was an activity they loved because they don't want to be seen in a swimsuit in front of people. So that's another, just try this or not. Can you, if you want to do an activity, can you do it? Even if you're not loving the way you look. And that's how we model to our kids, right? That's how we model to them living in our bodies by actually doing activities regardless of how people are going to perceive us in the activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like we've said a few tips that you can try or not. Um, one of them is just like not commenting on people's looks at all, whether it's positive or negative um, and like realizing that we can actually go deeper. And I think trying to do that, like whether it's for a week or a couple weeks can be really beneficial both for us and and I want to add to that and on ourselves too, like commenting out loud for our kids to hear ourselves as well. I think it makes a difference for us as well as for those around us. And it reinforces like a really positive thing that we are more than just our bodies. So I think that's one really good try this or not. And another one is um the we we talked a little bit about like wearing makeup or not wearing makeup and like buying into this. But another thing, and Terilyn, you had mentioned that you did this, but like try doing a fast from like makeup. If that's something that you feel like you need to wear to feel okay, like try doing a fast from it and and like see how you feel and being able to recognize that like you don't need these things to to be okay or be normal. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple things to try. And can I just add to that if you want to try this? So to be clear, I love, I have a lot of experience with makeup. I mean, I've done, I've done like photo shoots where it's like, it takes like an hour to put on the makeup, right? And I love it. Like, I I actually love the art of putting on makeup. So I'm not villainizing makeup here at all. What I'm saying is that defining yourself by how you look with makeup is what liberates us when we realize that oh my goodness, I don't actually have to wear it. Like I'm not dependent on it for my worth. That's where I think any of this stuff crosses into unhealthy. And I did, it was a challenge. I can't even remember how long it was. Maybe it was like two weeks. I did it about a year and a half ago and it kind of makes me want to do it again. But I just didn't wear makeup for that amount of time. And it was like a specific challenge I was doing as a goal. And guys, it was amazing because what I noticed is that I acted slightly different when I didn't wear makeup. I'd be at the grocery store and I'd just be like a little bit less outgoing. Like I'm still my friendly self, but I was just like a little less eye contact. And what I realized is people don't even care if I wear makeup or not. Like I'm still like taking care of my body, right? Like I'm still like washing myself. And so I didn't like no makeup means I have to be just grungified. But what I noticed is when I acted the same way, people literally responded to me the exact same way. And 
I could actually feel the same inside of me with makeup or without makeup. So now it's fun. Now I love like really getting all dolled up to go on a date with my husband. I love it. Taking that time to put on my makeup. But something changed inside of me when I did my makeup fast. It's like now I actually don't, I don't feel the need when I run into an old friend when I'm not wearing makeup to be like, oh, sorry, I'm not ready today. Uh, It's just because I have this, this, like I used to feel like I almost had to say to people why I wasn't wearing makeup. And now if I run into somebody who I haven't seen in 10 years, I'm not wearing makeup. Guess what I say? It is so good to see you. It's been 10 years. and I don't even mention my makeup because who cares? It's like this liberating thing of I can wear it and love it. And I also don't have to wear any and also love it. I don't even, it's a liberating thing. So just on that, try this or not. It's kind of fun. Just, just to say like, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to wear any makeup and I'm not going to apologize for not wearing makeup. I'm just going to actually show up and it just kind of frees you from, then if you go back to wearing it, you're just, you're still wearing it because it's fun, but you're not like feeling like your worth is tied to it. So that's a fun, just want to like say why it's such a fun, try this or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it all just comes back to what we said that it's like realizing that our, and, and focus, putting our focus and emphasis both with ourselves and with our families and the people that we surround ourselves with, that our bodies are instruments rather than ornaments that like we can just experience fully in our bodies and really driving that purpose home in the way that we speak and the way that we act. So I think that's kind of what all of this comes back to. And, um, I think we all really loved reading this book and would totally recommend reading it more than a body. And so we'll, we'll put it in the show notes and we'll put some of these articles that we referred to as well in the show notes for anybody who is interested in looking more into it. And maybe wait, if you want to look deeper into ways that you can maybe do this more in your life and with the people that you love. Mm-hmm. And as, and to finish, I would just like to end with the question we started with, how do you feel about your body and see if after this conversation can you change the way you answer that question because for me after reading the book I now change it if you ask me how I feel about my body it's going to be all about how I actually feel living inside of this amazing instrument that I have to live life with right so maybe ask yourself a question how do I feel about my body and it's that our body is an instrument not an ornament And positive body image is knowing not that our body is beautiful no matter how it looks, but is worthy regardless of how it looks. So thanks guys for being here with us for this conversation. I hope it helps you and your kids find some peace living inside of your own bodies. Okay, let's find the magic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, just a quick reminder to use code FINDTHEMAGIC to receive $50 off any Gab wireless device, watches, phones. Let's keep our kids safe on tech as they go back to school, but also safe and aware of where they are. So again, that's Gab Wireless with code FINDTHEMAGIC. You can receive $50 off any device. Brown cows. <laughs> <laughs>